This is episode 49 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is a top sales leader and VP of sales at Patient Pop, Kevin Dorsey. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for another episode uh, where I talk with a top sales leader, VP of sales at Patient Pop, Kevin Dorsey. Um, Kevin just has an extreme amount of knowledge and passion around sales um, and how people can perform and be better. So I was excited to get him on this episode, and this is kind of a quick hit because we had about you know, 25 or so minutes um, and got a lot packed in in this episode and a lot of it really around sales and how people can just be better um, overall. We, and we get into some tangents that I usually do talking around, you know, uh, intermittent fasting and meditation and all this other jazz. So it was a fun interview. Um, I wish we had more time to spend together. and uh, But I, I think you guys will really enjoy all the different insight that Kevin's able to share uh, throughout this episode. So without further ado, Let's jump into my chat today with Kevin Dorsey. Let's get it started. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Hey, excited to be on here, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I was so uh, interested to get to talk with you. I've, I've had, you know, being in a sales role myself and having a chance to, to talk with a lot of different sales um, leaders and other individuals. Um, I actually came across you first about a year ago. Um, got to introduce you uh, to from John Barros, um, who was on this podcast a while back. But you were on one of his. I don't know what he, what he even calls it. One of his show is it Ma- the Make It Happen show. I can't even remember what it, the name of it is. But yeah. uh, you were on there talking about humanizing sales and stuff like that, and that really you know kind of intrigued me. Um, so I've been following some of your stuff and articles and those type of things. So glad to get you on here. Um, I guess that's a good place to start. Maybe is I always you know it's always interesting the different individuals that I get to talk to from various walks of life. From a sales standpoint, um, everyone from in, that's I talk to in sales has some interesting, odd way of how they got into sales. I'm curious if you can share that for yourself starting off, and that'll kind of take us on some tangents. For sure. I guess mine chose to get into sales in college because I thought it was the most secure job I could have. Like if I could learn how to sell, I'd always have a job. And I, I got into it, and I was really, really bad. And I sucked at it. I was selling knockoff Cutco knives door to door. I was selling insurance. I was sneaking into conferences, trying to learn how to sell better. That's when I started reading a little bit. So it was actually pretty straightforward. And I just haven't, I've just never stopped. I became a student of the game and stuck with it. And now obviously you've transitioned where you're kind of leading teams and those type of things. What's been kind of, I guess, transition from that individual contributor to actually kind of managing, leading, coaching a team. What, what have you found kind of the, I don't know, maybe the things that have been positives on it and some of the bigger struggles, I guess, in that. I mean, obviously the biggest struggle with leading versus being an individual contributor is getting other people to want it as badly as you do. Um, I, I just had a conversation with one of my managers this morning. You know, he, he wants his team to be great. He wants it so badly for his team. And it's hard to get people to do that. I mean, if you really think about it, most people don't do what's best for them in life, period. People don't hit their personal goals. People don't stick with their own New Year's resolutions. People don't stick with their own plans. So getting them to do things for a business 
is a whole nother like challenge. So obviously that's that's the challenge with leading versus doing. I, I wish I do. I wish I could wake up every day and be like, you know what, I'm just gonna take care of myself, right? Like, cause then I could, I could be an individual contributor. I could take care of myself and be fine. But you know, the blessing and curse of being what I think is a good leader is I do think about other people, right? Like I want other people to succeed. I want other people to feel what greatness feels like. I want other people to get better. I want to fix things for them. And so that's, that's the way my brain works, you know, blessing and a curse. I, I love it as part of who makes me, me, but it also means I, my job's a lot harder than if I just had to take care of myself. You know, it's so interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here because it's something interesting what you just mentioned there about, you know, you almost kind of wanting it sometimes more than others or not knowing where they're at. At what point do you, you know, you only can, I guess, try to motivate or inspire people or get them to think a little bit differently as, you know, and sometimes they just don't want to. Is there a point where you kind of realize, hey, this this person just isn't meant to be in this role or not the right team? Like, do you come to that realization? Do they make that decision, do you think, for themselves prior to you getting there? I'm, I'm kind of curious because I see that a lot in the different sales organizations I've been in, in, involved with. So it it depends, right? If I look at two things, I look at skill and I look at will. If they have the will to do the job, right? They show up, they work hard, they want to get better, they're positive, they stick with it, and they just don't have the skill, then we work to develop that skill. And more often than not, you can develop that skill set if someone has the will. So I'll, I'll stick with someone longer if they have the will, and I'm just trying to level up their skill set. But on the flip side, it's also true. If someone just doesn't have the will to do it, it doesn't matter how skillful they are. And so those are people that I won't keep on my teams. Now, what's interesting, though, with like a lot of people, like the good versus the great, what a lot of people don't truly understand is the greats just actually want to be great. Most people don't actually want to be great. They think it's a cool idea and it sounds cool, but they don't wake up thinking about being great. The greats do. And even a lesson that I've learned in my leadership career is recognizing that not everyone actually wants to be great. And if I'm spending all of my energy trying to make them great, I'm going to lose sleep. It's always going to be a fight versus if they're good at good, that's okay. And that was a big learning lesson for me is like, hey, you know what? Not everyone's going to be great. And that is actually all right. I need to recognize the people that actually want it and help them get there, but then also help the people that are good with good stay good. So I hope that kind of answers that question. That's, that's actually a really good point. And I like the thought process through that. It, are there any things, you know, from a, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you know, kind of your top reps that you're kind of around and those low to mid performers, is, is there anything besides obviously the, Hey, I want to be great and, and having that, those intangibles, anything else that you see that kind of separates that you've noticed in your years? Maybe, I don't know if it's one or two things that you've noticed that's a huge differentiator as you kind of bucket those individuals. Yeah, like after desire, it's the, it's their fast learners. They're very, very fast learners. They can pick up on something quickly and apply it. And that's if they're getting coaching, right? If they're getting coaching, they hear it, boom, they go get it. But a lot of sales reps, especially a lot of the top ones too, most of them actually didn't get great coaching. So they actually had to learn on the fly. Something happened on a call, it didn't go well once, but then they never made that mistake again. That's another attribute that I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talk about when it comes to great salespeople. Like everyone talks about grit and tenacity and confidence and aggressive, which most of those actually have nothing to do with being a great salesperson. It's are they good listeners and do they learn quickly, 
right? Can they pick up on what people are saying and then apply and change their behavior because of it? So obviously you have to be gritty. You do, you have to go through a lot of shit as a salesperson, but that's not what makes a great salesperson. Just sticking with it isn't what makes you great. How you communicate with people and how you listen, how you learn is what makes you great. And one of the other things too, because you know, with this podcast, there's such a mixture of, of folks that listen to this, whether it's entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, again, individual type contributors, sales you know, people, or, or others. And you know, because I think this applies to everyone. You just talked about that of kind of the you know, learn quickly and those type of things. I saw an article you did a little while back, um, and I've actually shared this with uh, with my peers. Um, this call scorecard. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought that was really interesting because I don't think as many folks, and I'm curious your you know, thought on this is kind of that call playback that, you know, I'd like to say it's like, you know, Tom Brady sitting in the, uh, or I'm a 49ers fan, maybe I'll say, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, but, you know, the, uh, but sitting in the, uh, you know, sitting in the video room and really looking and dissecting and then going out there and trying to repeat some of that. I don't see that happening as much. It's kind of just in the moment you're making stuff up. How important have you found that for your team doing those type of playbacks, really dissecting and then getting out there and trying to execute on it? It's, it's massively important. And I, I still don't understand why it's not talked about more. I think, I mean, I, I think sports analogies gets overplayed sometimes, you know, in sales. So screw it. I'm making a music analogy, right? If someone wanted to get good at piano, right. But all they did were recitals, like literally like they just showed up to a recital every day and tried to play chopping or Bach or some shit. They'd never get good at it. But that's what salespeople do is they don't actually practice it, right? If you look at anyone that is good at what they do, they have put in hours and hours and hours of practice, right? You said Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo, like how many, how long is a football game, Brian? How long is a football game? It's 60 minutes. 60 minutes. How much time does the offense have the ball in a 60 minute football game? Yeah. Who knows? Half maybe right. if, if, if you're lucky. Let's, let's, Let's call it half, right? So about 30 minutes of actually even having the ball. How many pass attempts does a quarterback normally make in a football game? Yeah, 2019, probably 50. But. Right, 50, right? <laughs> Drew Brees throwing it up there. Okay, so right. you're talking about 50 passes in a game on the high end. How many practice throws has Tom Brady made in his career to prepare for those 50 throws in a game? You're, you're right. It's thousands and thousands. Okay. You're absolutely right. So that's what, what it is. So like, you know, you mentioned like, okay, like reviewing the call. Yes, it's important. You got to review your game film and you have to break it down. But then where people go out and the word you use was then they have to go execute. No, 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 no. Tom Brady watches the game film, breaks it down and then goes and practices for hours and hours and hours. So underutilized, underspoken about and I guess underappreciated tool when it comes to sales. And I, I don't know why that is. We practice so much on my teams because that's where you get good. You don't practice with prospects. That's a really bad formula. Do you really want your sales rep getting on the phone with me trying to execute the thing that they just learned? They should have done it a few hundred times before they even try it. So that that's how I look at game review, but then the practice has to be there too. Yeah, and I and I, I fully agree with you. You know that execution piece is. You know, I, I was I was actually using this as an analogy the other day. Actually, it's funny. Is you know he might throw like a ten yard out, right? And they practice that a thousand times before he ever uses it in a game. Um, and when he's in the game, it looks so fluid because you know he's done it so much. It's just kind of second nature. So I, I absolutely agree with you um, on that. I'm curious too on a slight tangent with that. 
I want to get your take before I throw in my two cents because I can go along in this. It's April of 2019. What's your stance on cold calling? You do it. <laughs> like it's it's there, right? Like I, I have an and mentality, not an or mentality. So you call and you email and you video and you text and you direct mail and you social. I, I do all of it. So I believe cold calling is still alive. It's not well. It's dying, but every prospecting channel is dying. There is not a single prospecting channel in outbound selling right now that is better now than it was two years ago. Not one. So they're all dying. It's just that's why you have to do all of them and you have to be better at them. Yeah, where I was going to go on it, because I, I fully agree with you. I think there's a lot of you know talk out there of like, oh, cold calling's dead and you shouldn't cold call. And that. And to those folks, and it sounds bad, I'm like, well, I think you're just scared to pick up the phone and call someone. Maybe that's the reason. You know, you haven't done it enough to realize the value. Um, and, and the market that, you know, I kind of sell into, cold calling is a massive opportunity. Others, yeah, not as much. But again, you have to kind of know your industries and those type of things. What, any, um, I guess on that note, and this could help anyone really that may be nervous about getting on the phones or anything. Is there anything you do with your teams Obviously, we talk about the, you know, kind of getting in the room and going through those reps and stuff. But anything you go on the team that's a little extra from cold calling or talking with prospects early on um, and, you know, if there's any opportunity there to help them improve. Um, I mean, shoot, that could be a five hour podcast episode in itself. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, when it comes to my teams, one, I'll say it again, practice is big, right? If if cold calling if you only get to talk to one or two of your ideal prospects per day, and that's the only time you're even attempting the scripting, you're not going to be good at it. You are going to be afraid, right? So my reps getting hundreds of repetitions before they even pick up that first phone, right? So having a good structure and practice system is important. Understanding the prospect very well is important. I'm not a big product-based seller. I'm a prospect-based seller. So we spend a lot of time making sure my reps understand what it means to be a private practice doctor. What it what are their struggles? What do they go with? What do they wake up thinking about? Not these, you know, weird personas, you know, SMB Sam and like, no, like what does it actually mean? Just yesterday here actually was really cool. We had our company all hands and we had a customer come in and talk to the entire company. And the, the way he was talking about like how he likes his emails and the struggles and what the hardest part is and how much time he spends on different things was so valuable for my team to get like that when they are calling now they know they can help this doctor and that also takes away fear and the last part I guess I'll touch on that you know it gets brought up in sales a lot is I let them know it's okay to fail like it is okay you you need to hit your numbers and you need to put in the work, but not every call is going to go well. And that is all right. People are afraid to pick up that phone because they, they're afraid they're not going to be able to do it well, or they're not going to be able to do it right. Versus like, Hey, like if you follow this and it doesn't work, that's okay. There's nothing that works on everybody, but pick up the phone and, and do it again and pick up the phone and do it again. So like encouraging people when there's a bad call, Hey, it's okay. Shake it off. Let's go and get it again. I don't think that, I don't think enough people recognize that, you know, in terms of like what it feels like, or if they remember what it was like to be a 24 year old, 25 year old kid making cold calls for the first time, that is scary. You need to let them know it's okay if something doesn't go well, so that they'll stick with it. 
Yeah, and, and on the, well, not the flip side, I don't know what the term is on that. Maybe that's a, the best way to say it. But in terms of other of your peers, different managers, leaders in the organization, or obviously other organizations that, that you're around, because obviously you're, you're out there pretty good. What are some things that you found that maybe some could, again, could be doing better or things that you've noticed that, um, you know, we've talked about a couple of them, right? Of, hey, get in the room and, and watch the video type thing. Is there anything else from a, looking at from a leader standpoint, not the individual contributor, that you think could be helpful for them to maybe think about a little differently? I'm not quite sure I'm understanding the question. Can you rephrase it? So like what leaders can do for their teams? Yeah. So we're talking about, yeah, what, what individual reps can do and to improve their skill set. What are some things that you're seeing from that has helped for your standpoint, from a manager leader standpoint mm -hmm. um, to be able to improve? Yeah. Spend way more time coaching, way more time coaching and understanding the difference between teaching, training and coaching. So most managers don't do a lot of coaching. Some do some training, but most just teach. And teaching is just telling someone what to do. Hey, go do this. And the rep goes, oh, okay, cool. That's great advice. All you did was teach them. They're, they're still not ready. Training then is breaking it down and having them do it. Coaching is when you actually give them feedback on it and have them do it again. Not only will that make the reps better, but the bond between manager and rep will be so much stronger because they know they're getting better. If you were to ask any of my managers what their jobs are, and you can you can follow up with them, hit them up cold, just be like, yo, like, what's your job? They should, and they probably will respond saying, make my people better. And I think people have forgotten that's what a manager's job is. Because if after six months your people aren't any better, I don't need a manager. I don't. <laughs> Like people can stay the same on their own. So if managers remember that their job is to make people better and they spend more time focused on that, that is a huge, huge tip about this. Um, I think last year at like a small council, like how my managers break down their time, well over 50% of their time is dedicated to skill and people development, not meetings, not dashboards, not clipboards, not any of that. It's focused on making their people better. Yeah, so I want to transition because I want to talk about you a little bit more personally because I, I, you you ranked on a lot of these different industry lists, kind of you know, kind of out there known. Why do you believe you? I guess you're doing it a little differently, or things that you're being recognized for. I'm curious some of the things that maybe you feel you're doing that could be helpful for others. Like, wait, why are we not doing that? I'm curious how you've gotten on some of these and and kind of gotten your name out there. Um, I I think because I focus on people and I don't focus on salespeople. Like I study people, I research people, I read on the brain that most of us have, right? Like I read on like the true science behind why people do what they do. And once you start to better understand people, you start to realize that so much of what's done in the sales world goes against what most people need to feel or need to have in their lives it goes against it so when it comes to scripting i've learned so much about how people respond to things and what words trigger what and how people like react to things that i can apply that to scripting and i know how big of a deal fear is in terms of why people do or don't do what they're supposed to do and that's all people not just salespeople. and so there's there's this connotation i think out there that salespeople are different and i don't really buy into that that much they have different mindsets than other people but they have the same fears they have the same struggles they have the same wants as most people and so i think that's 
why I've, I don't know, I don't know if stand out's the right word, but I focus on people. And I think that's what has helped me build the teams that I have and have had the results that I have, if that makes sense. And, and you mentioned there about kind of learning outside of sales and stuff. You, you know, I, I did doing some research, saw that, you know, you're kind of an avid reader and do a lot of stuff. Is there any books you would share anything? You know, maybe it's one or, and it could be inside sales. It could be outside of sales, but you know, kind of must read that folks should be uh, looking at. Oh boy. Um, I guess it depends on the category, right? Like if it's sales books, if it's just psychology, if it's leadership, um, which, which category do you want? let's do let's do one in sales one in psychology one in leadership <laughs> okay all right so right now i'm absolutely loving gap selling by keenan um i think it's one of the best ones out there right now because again it is fully so good focused on like the problem of the people that you're going after so gap selling is a sales one that i'd have everybody grab right now um in terms of like psychology Methods of Persuasion by Nick Kalenda is really, really good. Um, that has some really fun things around language and different technology along that's like directly applicable to sales. There's some other ones that are like really, really good, but they're not directly applicable. Like it takes, you have to be able to break it down and apply it. And then leadership, um, let's see here, specific to sales, Sales Manager Survival Guide is still one of the best ones out there by Dave Brock. Everyone should read that. Even reps should read that. Um, but another, I guess I'll give two here, Radical Candor and um, Leaders Eat Last. Radical Candor, I believe is Kim Scott and Leaders Eat Last is Simon Sinek. Those two are a very, very powerful combo for leaders. Yeah, I'd second the leaders eat last. I've read that with Simon Sinek. That's a phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a phenomenal book. Um, is there anything that you do personally? Because it seems like again, you're doing a lot of different stuff and, and kind of you know from a time management and being able to you know to be able to read, manage teams, doing all these things extra outside that. Is there any daily habits or routines that you stick with? Things that kind of help you um, structure your day better? Anything that you would uh, can share with anyone? Um, for sure. So, and it's actually funny, I've actually started to bleed this over into my, my reps. I write out my day every single day and I have it on my calendar. I meditate for 15 minutes a day. I get exercise for at least 30 minutes. I do the intermittent fasting. I practice gratitude and goal visualization. Um, and I read every, every single day. I don't think I've missed a day of reading for at least 30 minutes in years like I, I, I don't like it's just so built into what I do and I try to bring that into my team so actually now every morning every morning at seven o'clock about 70 80 percent of my team is meditating together and doing their gratitudes like in the slack channel what are you grateful for today right they're planning out their days and writing down who they're going to call and what they're going to do right and then they review that day what went well what didn't so it's taking the habits that have been proven to improve performance and building it into the day. You know, I've, I've started to have this weird concept of like, if I can just make people better people, will they become better salespeople, right? If we know meditation helps people be better people, stress levels way down, focus way up, productivity way up, why wouldn't I force my people to meditate? If we know gratitude makes people happier and increases performance. Sean Aker wrote a great book called The Happiness Advantage and it's optimistic and happier salespeople sell 37% more than their neutral or negative mindset peers. That's a straight fact there. 
So if I know that, why wouldn't I force, and I'm saying force in quotes, my people to be grateful every day, right? So those are things that I practice as an individual that I know have helped me get to where I am. And now I'm trying to bring that into my teams as well. Now that, and that's great that you're doing that. And I, I agree that, you know, the meditation, what's interesting for me that I, and I've been doing it probably, I don't know what, a year, year and a half now, is that it almost gives me an extra couple seconds to process instead of being very reactive. I don't know if you've found this yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm just more curious, but like, you're almost like more mindful of like what's going on around you. And you could think a little quicker in your feet versus just being very reactive and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. But I, I don't know if you've, you've got that as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's literally it's mindfulness. That is what it is, right? And so it's, and it's not also just being reactive. It's how you react, right? Something bad happens. Someone who is mindful can take that second, take that pause. It still hurts, right? Someone tells you to F off on the phone. It still hurts. It doesn't matter. But if, if you know how, if you've in, been in meditation, you know how to bring yourself back. You can recenter shortly. You can get back to yourself quickly and keep going. And um, I, it's so funny. The team has been really loving it. We have reps that are like hitting new highs this month. And the only change that we made was adding in meditation. People are like, I am less stressed. I feel more focused. Like that's, that's cool, right? Like that's something that you, it's hard to hate me for that. You may not like me, but it's hard to hate me for making you meditate. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I, all right, like, <laughs> I feel you, you know, and those are some of the things like I want to try to build into the day as much as I can. Are, are you going to do a guided meditation? Is it more just sit there in your, mm -hmm. in your thought in silence? Yeah, def definitely guided because even, even I'm like, I can't just sit in a room quiet. Like I can't, my brain will go. I need the guidance to keep me curbed. Right. And the longer I've done it, the more I notice, like I can go longer without my brain getting off track. But if I just sit down, I'm still not able to even get into like that meditative state, but like going through like a headspace app or a 10% better app um, just makes it so much easier. And a lot of people have, you have to learn how to meditate just like anything else. And so um, it's going really well. Can I ask something quick and, and I'll be sensitive to time here because I know we have a short time left, but you talked about intermittent fasting. I have a lot of folks on from the fitness community and, and that's a huge mm -hmm. thing, I think, health and wellness. Can you chat about that just for 30 seconds a minute, why that's important to you, how you structure it? I'm, I'm curious to hear from someone's perspective on that. Yeah, so I more often than not do like 16 and eight, right? So I don't eat for 16 hours and I eat to eight. And actually this week, I've been testing like 18 to 20 hours. Um, so like really like right now I'm sitting here, I have some sparkling water in front of me. I haven't had anything to eat. Some days I do like a bulletproof coffee, which technically breaks the fast, but it doesn't break the insulin fast, which is really what you're looking to do is control the insulin levels and release. And I don't eat. And since doing it, it's, it's been great. Like the amount of mental clarity, the amount of focus, it's one less decision to make on the day. There's no crashing of energy. Like I love it. I absolutely love it because I don't have to think about anything right so i'll probably i probably won't eat today until three four in the afternoon right and it's been great the metabolism boost that you get from it the energy lift that you get from it i don't even have to think about what i eat as much because i'm not like i'm not eating as much and like i've been able to not only like lose weight but still maintain muscle like still stay in great shape and um it's been good i absolutely love it i'd recommend it to to everyone the first week is hard after that you're you're fine and do you do that in unison when you're eating is also when you might work out or are those in the fasting hours you'll work out as well because i'm curious if you have the energy during yeah. those that's why i was like wondered 
Yep. Uh, yeah, I work out fast. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. I'm just curious to ask. Is like I said, I like to pick the brain just when I hear that because uh, it's something I've been thinking about a little bit um, and hearing a lot about. So I'm kind of curious just to to get other people's opinions that have been doing it. Um, well, let me ask this last thing because I'm I'm really curious. I always like to kind of end on more of, I like to have it an open forum and really put it back on you here is any advice, insight, other than what we've shared, maybe it's like a quote you live by, or, you know, it could be just a, a frame of, of mind that you have that you would share with the with the listeners. That's something they could maybe be impactful for their day, their week, maybe, you know, their life. Um, anything you would share to kind of end the interview on? Um, I mean, I think one of my main mantras right now as a leader and as a person is what's best and why not that's that's a question that i ask myself on a daily basis sometimes even on an hourly basis if i'm trying to figure out like what i want to do it's like what's best and why not do that and it provides a lot of excuse me it provides a lot of clarity it provides it makes things simpler like when you really just sit back and go like all right i've got an hour what's the best thing I could do in this hour and why not do that thing? Now, sometimes there might be a good reason not to do that thing, right? Like that it, it could have a negative impact elsewhere. Or it could take too long or whatever, but if you're always coming back to like, what's best, then you're, it, it just helps focus you. So outside of the things that I mentioned before about taking care of yourself as a person, right? The gratitude, the meditation, the exercise, you know, like doing that, Keep asking yourself what's best and why not? Why not do what's best for you or why not do what's best for your team, your relationship, whatever? That's That would be, I guess, my parting advice for people. Awesome. This is great. I know we we had to hit it hard and, and had, a, had a, a certain amount of time. So, man, this was awesome. I appreciate you spending some time um, kind of giving, giving some advice and insight. It was really helpful for everyone. So uh, I appreciate your time today. Absolutely, man. I had a good time. Let's stay in touch. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode or have been enjoying others along the way. Um, and if you don't mind, it would really mean a lot if you guys head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, give me a rating on there. Um, I certainly appreciate that feedback to make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and please connect with me online. Instagram's probably the best, um, at Brian Andreco. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O. Or go ahead and check out my website, brianondraco.com. That's where I house a ton of random crap like the podcast and my CrossFit journey and a variety of other blog articles. Um, and sign up for my newsletter. Be sending a little bit of uh, inspiration each and every week that uh, may be useful for you. So I certainly appreciate guys listening in. Thanks again. I hope you have a phenomenal week and we'll talk soon. Just get started.